Hi, Anuradha. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm going to start by asking you a very simple question. Where are you from and where do you live now? Well, I was born and raised in a suburb of Chicago called Evanston. So I'm from Evanston. I went to college there. And now we live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So it's about, you know, 100 miles away. And my family still lives there in Evanston. So I'm still close with them. Are you a tea person or a coffee person? Oh, my gosh, coffee all the way. I know that's <laughs> such a, you know, I'm I'm a bad Indian in that way. But I... um <laughs> Although a lot of my Indian friends love coffee, so I don't know. I love uh, coffee too, so I don't think there's... Yeah, yeah, I know. There's like always this idea that Indians have to love chaha and chai, and um, I do love it. I just, you know, I'm sort of obsessed with coffee at the at the moment, so definitely coffee. Given a choice between reading and writing, what would you pick? Oh, that's a hard one. I would say writing at this point. Because reading is something that I, it's such a part of my daily life. It's almost like brushing my teeth or, go, you know, getting ready for bed. It's, it is a part of my daily routine, but the writing is what, you know, there's something so exciting about creating something out of nothing and, you know, letting your, having that individual project that you can kind of pour yourself into it feels like such an escape to sit down and write. Reading is as well, but writing feels there's an excitement there to creating something brand new. And when did you know that you wanted to be a writer? Probably when I was in high school, middle oh, of wow. my high school years. Yeah. So I was maybe like a sophomore in high school and it was a English teacher who encouraged us to write in journals and she would respond to our journals, but they were, it was just between she and us. So, you know, she and I. So I was experiencing a lot of problems with friends and, you know, things going on in my life at that time and writing about them in detail. And to have somebody respond the way she did, it was um, it was kind of like a form of therapy. But she also commented on the writing quality and and sort of encouraged me to write creatively. So it was around that time. And then it kind of grew from there where English was my favorite subject, reading and writing, you know, they of course go together and brought me so much joy and pleasure and helped me understand the world and, and myself in ways that kind of opened up my world in a way. So yeah, it started in high school. And although I wrote even when I was maybe starting like second grade, I would write in journals even then. So every year I had a journal that, you know, kind of locked with a little key. And I thought it was like <laughs> so exciting to have this secret place to keep all my thoughts. But I think I made that decision in high school for sure about becoming a writer one day. It's so amazing that you had a teacher like that who would encourage you. It is so amazing. Her name was Mrs. Kelman and she was wonderful. And, and it's funny, it's like, I remember every one of those specifically English teachers, because I was so drawn to that subject, that they all brought something to my life. And they all encouraged me in, in kind of different ways. And how's your writing process? Like, do you follow a routine? Are you very strict with yourself? So my book, uh, American Betia, was a story that I came up with actually in high school and college. It was way back then. The idea for it came then. And I didn't really start in earnest writing that book until I was home with my kids. So at that time, I didn't really have much of a process. It was just whenever I could get a babysitter and go to the library and work, I would work. So it was like these stolen moments. 
every week I did try to find those stolen moments. Now I have taken a, bit, a leave of absence from teaching and I am writing full time. So now I definitely have much more of a routine. I wake up in the morning, first thing in the morning. I don't eat anything, just get some water, sit down at my computer, starting from like eight in the morning or so till noon. Around that time, then I'll answer emails and do kind of administrative things, but then try to continue in the afternoon and then fit some reading in there as well in the afternoon. So it's a lot more rigid now. I tell people that they're like, oh, that's, you know, that's so serious and that's such a strict process. But for so many years, it was not that way. I would write certain weekends, some nights, some not night. You know, it was all over the place. So I would say in terms of process, if anyone were to ask, I would say just go easy on yourself. You do what you can do at different stages of your life. So when my kids were little, it was very hard to find that time. And as they got older and more independent, it was a little easier. But then at the same time, I was teaching. So there were different demands with that. Finding those stolen moments really helped me because, that you know, remove the shame portion of it, basically, is what I would suggest. There's a lot of shame in well, if I don't write every day, then I'm not really a writer. And I would never, um, I would suggest never to go down that path of self-flagellation. I don't think that that's a great strategy for most of us, but although maybe it does work for some people. I don't know. I think it's a setup for failure because if you decide to write every day and then you miss one day, two days, then you're like, oh, I'm not cut out for this. Okay, let, let's let's leave this dream behind. That's exactly right. So I would suggest never go down that path of shame. <laughs> if you get stuck, how do you keep yourself motivated to keep going? When I'm stuck, it's, it means that I, there's something I don't understand about my characters. A lot of times it takes time thinking and talking to almost my characters, interviewing the characters, sitting down with, with the person, you know, that some of the main characters and even side characters understanding what truly the motivations are. Sometimes it's also just, I'm not happy with the way the tone of the book is going. And so in those cases, I turn to other books within the genre and I just spend time, I just take time away from the writing and I just try to immerse myself in other books that have a similar genre, not all, always a similar genre, sometimes even outside the genre, even that, that will help me get into a better rhythm of what I'm trying to do with the story. It sort of inspires me to continue working. And are there any authors that you take inspiration from for your writing? Absolutely. I love Jandy Nelson. I love anything by Jason Reynolds and Elizabeth Acevedo. I love Colin McCann, Donna Tart. There are so many, actually. Jeffrey Eugenides, it's kind of endless, you know. Um, it was Alice Monroe. She's a short story writer who lives in Canada, and she is somebody who inspired me long ago. She actually, um, American Beta was first a short story, and it was inspired by her writing. Um, at the time, my kids were very young, and I thought the only thing I could really accomplish from beginning, middle, and end is a short story. So the short stories by her and Jhumpa Lahiri were really important at that time for me and inspirational. What's something in your life that you're really proud of today? I would say my family, feeling so close with um all of the members of my family. And I would also say maybe my own like sense of perseverance. Uh, it took me so many years to write my debut and almost to the point of embarrassment. I'm embarrassed <laughs> when I tell people how long it took me, but it was such an escape and it was actually so cathartic and 
like a gift to have something that something kind of secret that you were working on, like a brilliant gem or like a diamond inside of you that you could always kind of return to no matter what is going on in your world, you could return to that. And so that perseverance and that sort of joy in the process is something I am proud of because I think a lot of people would have kind of given up considering how long it took me with just the one story. What would you say is something that you have had to unlearn in your life? I would say self-doubt. You know, as much as I'm talking about perseverance being something I'm proud of, there was always so much self-doubt. And I feel like that was one of the reasons it did take so long is because it's so easy to compare yourself to others, read a great book and think, wow, I would never be able to. I'm so far from being able to produce something like this. And now that I'm in this process of published the book and I've gone through so many different stages with publishing the book, it's made me realize how many eyes how many people, different people read the book and gave their input, how many revisions it took. So you can really never compare that final product to your first draft of anything you write. I mean, it's just simply ridiculous thing to do. But when you're in the process of it, you don't know that, you know, you're kind of, it's so easy to question yourself. So I would say that that's something I would, and I feel like I'm learning to unlearn that tendency to judge myself so harshly that it stymies the process. Yeah, that's a hard one to get rid of, for sure. Absolutely. I feel like societal messages are there as well, you know, that that it's not just internally, it's also you're getting these external messages to doubt yourself. Absolutely. If you were to be deserted on an island, and you could pick only three books to take with you, which ones would you take? Oh, my goodness. This is such a hard question. I would say Let the Great World Spin. I love the kind of stories where there are four or five different narratives, and then you see how these characters connect in very um, surprising ways. So that's one of those stories for me. Another one is by Alice Munro called Runaway. It's a collection of her short stories that I just kind of felt life-changing, actually, for me. What she did in those stories were so incredible. And I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. If I had to choose just three, I think it would be those three, although it's very painful to choose just three. But anyway, yes. And for our last question, if you were to pick one interesting life experience to share with us, what would you tell us? I would say basically just the experience of growing up as part of the diaspora, living in India, living in the United States, having both of those cultures as part of my, especially those years that I was developing when I was younger, we would go, we had no family in the United States. And so we had very close friends who were South Asian, but it was going back to India and spending summers there with family and then coming back to the United States starting in the fall. There was just such a duality to who I was. And and yet there's so much that you learn when you travel and when you go to other places. And of course, being around so much family that love you was really instrumental. So I would say it wasn't like one specific experience. It was more just my entire childhood of having these two really beautiful cultures as a part of my developing identity was really important to me. I love that answer. Thank you, Anuradha, for answering all my 11 questions. Oh, my God. You went through that quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And now I want to talk more about your book. American media. Tell us what it's about and why did you want to write this story? 
So American Betia is the story of 18-year-old Rani who gets swept up in the kind of euphoria of first love when she first meets Oliver, who is a white boy in her high school. They're both seniors in high school. But it is the challenges that they encounter as in an interracial couple that allow her to recognize over time real love for what it is. So it's a story that explores cultural taboos in addition to kind of family boundaries and the really complicated relationship between love, identity, and culture. So it's a story that explores, there's actually a lot of just also fun stuff. There's a lot of basic food and sex positivity and funny best friend banter and uh, intergenerational experiences and also a revealing and illuminating trip to India where Rani really starts to understand so much more about her culture, her heritage and her family members that she, some of them have, you know, she's not as close to certain family members like her mother. And so that trip really kind of helps her come to terms with her own identity. I'm curious, did you base Rani on your own life experiences, yourself, or also other characters? How much of inspiration did you take from your own family and friends? So it's a funny thing. I have a really hard time writing anything that's too bio- autobiographical. It is definitely a work of fiction. But there are, you know, in terms of the themes in the story, I can relate so very closely. You know, they're they're very, like, emotional for me. It's very close to my heart, some of the experiences that Ronnie has. But that being said, I did have to take a lot of sort of artistic license in terms of just, you know, this is definitely very much a work of fiction. Although I could have been best friends with Ronnie for sure. I mean, she is somebody who I really kind of admired her. She was a really fun character to write in that she's kind of going for all of it. Like she just knows she wants to be a doctor. Um, She has an aunt who lives in India who is a pediatrician and she sort of followed her around on her rounds when starting at you know a young age so she sort of models herself after this aunt of hers and yet she's also really creative and she loves photography she um that's actually how she meets oliver is she is showing her photography that she took on a recent trip to india at this gallery show that is occurring in her high school and oliver is kind of the celebrated artist he's really kind of has a lot of enigmatic characteristics about him but he's also just you know a really talented artist and so that was something I really loved about her is that she, um, her parents forbid her to date. Absolutely. They're very, very traditional Indian parents. But she is like kind of throwing caution to the wind in many ways. She's sort of longed for love. She tries very hard to be this good Betia and has done that, but has also sort of longed to be seen in this other way. And Oliver shines that like light on her and she's kind of taken by it and just goes for it. And so I love that about her. I think that I was more reticent than she is. And so she was a really fun character to kind of lean into and live vicariously through her in some ways. I would say, though, that the best friend stuff in the book was very much a part of my life. I've always at every stage in my life had wonderful best girlfriends. And so I drew upon that heavily in creating the character of Kate, who is Ronnie's best friend. And then in terms of family, that's a that's a really interesting one. I had a really hard time writing any family members that were too close to my own family members. Like I never had an older girl cousin and she does. Ronnie has Shalini, who is an older girl cousin who she really looks up to sort of like a sister. So that was a fun character to just kind of invent. Every character is kind of an amalgam of every, so many people that you've known. 
there's also me in every single character that I write, including the male characters. So that was a really interesting process and something that's really very enigmatic as you write. You're like, where did this character come from? You know, <laughs> So that's always kind of a really exciting and interesting aspect of writing that still feels really mysterious to me. And I'm sure a lot of South Asian girls would be relating to parts of your story, at least. I think so. I mean, that's the the messages that I've gotten from people um, from all over the world have been really amazing. It's been a very humbling experience to hear from readers saying this resonated so much with me. You write these stories kind of almost more for yourself, you know, to help you work through questions or issues, societal problems. And that's really what American Betia was for me. It was trying to answer questions that I had about sort of microaggressions, racism that occur within our most intimate relationships. I feel like that was something that I hadn't personally read as much about in fiction. And I really wanted to explore that. And simply because I just didn't have the answers. And so to have other people read it and say, oh my gosh, this resonated. And this, you know, was so very close to my own personal experiences has been such a humbling and, you know, like kind of an honor to, to be able to reach people in that way. That's amazing. And as readers, it's so gratifying to find that relatability in books because you sometimes are looking for that validation somewhere and books give you that. It can make you feel so lonely, you know, when you're going through things that are really difficult, that culturally as a nation and sort of globally, we're talking about things that we've never talked about before regarding race, caste, you know, class, all of these things I think are coming to the forefront in a new and, you know, important way. But like when I was growing up, when I was a teen, some of these terms were didn't even exist, you know, microaggressions and, you know, some of these, the lexicon I think is there now for us to draw upon and kind of I was hoping basically for this story to really spark some of those important conversations, because if we don't acknowledge that some of these problems exist, then we can't change them. You know, that's sort of like a James Baldwin quote that I always kind of think about and come back to. And so I was hoping that a story like this could sort of spark some of those conversations. Other than this book now, are you working on something else next? Any short stories, books? Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. And I wish I could tell you all about it because I'm oh, obsessed no. <laughs> So I, so of course in publishing, there's so much you cannot share until, you know, announce, certain announcements are made, but um, I'm working on something right now that's really different. And it's also really pushing me creatively. And I'm in that like really like in love stage where I'm thinking about it all the time. Every time I'm taking a shower, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to have a notebook nearby, you know, to scribble some new <laughs> You know, idea. there's a thing like a shower note. Oh, I did not know of this thing. It doesn't get erased with water. I guess that's the main thing. Okay. You can probably buy that. (laughs) I will have to buy that. Exactly. So it's like staying up late at night, having epiphanies. So I'm in that sort of in love stage of this new story. And um, it's the best feeling. It's also nice to move on to something new after so many years with American Betia. Well, I wish you all the best with the project. And I am actually dying to know more about it. Absolutely. You will be one of the first to know. Oh, thank you. If your listeners want to get in touch with you or buy your book, where can they find you? I am on Twitter at adrogerker1. And I am also on Instagram at Anuradha D. Rogerker. Oh, and in terms of buying the book, you can buy it really anywhere where books are sold. So Amazon and of course, 
Ideally, you support your indie bookstores because they work so hard for authors to, you know, get events going for authors that Amazon doesn't, you know, do for authors. So as much as we can support our independent bookstores, um, American Betia is available at all those places. So thank you again, Anuradha, for being my guest today. It was so great talking to you about your life and your book. And listeners, do check out Anuradha's book, American Betia, and follow her on Instagram and Twitter for her upcoming book, I guess. Thank you so much, Damon. This was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to our conversation today. Hope you enjoyed getting to know our guest as much as I did. You can also watch a video version of this conversation on 11 Questions YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening. And if you like this episode, please leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 11QuestionsPod for more videos and updates. And I'll be back next week with a new guest. Bye!